we are finishing up our, our sermon series this week that we've been in for the last uh, four weeks. This will be the fifth week. We've been going through the, the book of James, and uh, the series has been called Living Large because we believe, just as James said, if you hear the word and you live the word, you're living large in the kingdom. You're doing exactly what you were put here on this earth to do. So this morning, we will be in James chapter 5, and the title of my message is Patiently Impatient. You ever felt that way? I'm trying to be patient, Lord, but hurry up, right? So if you've got your Bible, your iPad, you want to follow along, all of our uh, uh, text will be from James chapter 5 this morning. No, I'm lying. Most of it will be from James chapter 5 this morning. I will say a couple of other verses that won't be in James chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible or you'd rather just follow along, all the text will be up here on the screen. So as always, I start with a, a story. And um, I read this story uh, a few years ago about a couple who had uh, adopted a dog. And they brought it out to, to their, their place. They had, had some property, and they adopted this dog. They wanted it to, to train it to sort of be a, a, a watchdog. And when they brought the dog out there and they let the dog run free, they found out that this dog likes to bark. This, just bark, 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 bark. Bark at, you know, bark at squirrels, bark at rabbits, bark at birds, bark at the wind, bark at the sun, whatever. He could bark at, it would bark at. And the wife wanted to take the dog to obedience training to teach the dog not to bark so much, but the husband couldn't wait several weeks for this dog to finally learn that he needed to stop barking, so he decided he was going to go out and he was going to get a bark collar. So he went to the store, and he bought, because they had the dog and they wanted the dog to be a uh, sort of a watchdog, they didn't want the dog to completely stop barking, they just wanted him to know when he was barking too much. So the husband came back with his bark collar that actually had a remote control on it. And uh, as he came back, he found out that his wife had taken the dog to the groomers and was going to be there for a while. But the husband really wanted to know what the range on this bark collar would be with this remote control. And he couldn't wait. Couldn't wait for the dog to get back. So he told his wife, I'm going to put it on. I'm going to get in the truck. And I'm going to drive just, you know, down over the hill here, and I'm going to honk the horn. When I honk the horn, you press the button. And then we'll just keep doing this until I figure out how far I can go and be out of range. So every time I honk the horn, you press the button. Seems simple. So he gets in the truck. He starts going down the driveway, gets just over the hill, just outside of the house, and his wife, he honks the horn. Well, she presses the button. And the electric shock hits him and causes him to lose consciousness. <laughs> he lets go of the wheel. Truck goes off into the ditch. He falls over right into the horn. So it honks again. So she presses the button again. When the electric shock hits him that time, he straightens up for a moment. When she lets go, he falls right back down into the horn again. This happens nine times, and she claims it happens nine times before she realized something was wrong. But this happened nine times before she realized that something had gone wrong. So the moral of the story is impatience 
often brings bad results. <laughs> Correct? Yeah, someone once wrote, patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. It's seldom found in women and never in a man. <laughs> we don't want that to be our reputation, do we, guys? No, we do not. Okay, so we're in James chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 7. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation this morning. It says, We must be patient and filled with expectation as we wait for the appearing of the Lord. Think about the farmer who has to patiently wait for the earth's harvest as it ripens. So the question this morning is, where in our lives do we need Jesus to show up? Into what situation, relationship, trial do we need Jesus to appear? We all have areas that we need Jesus to get very, very involved in. But here's the one thing that I have learned over the years is that he rarely shows up on my time schedule. Therefore, I have to be patient. This really takes us all the way back to, to uh, the first chapter of James where he said the trying of our faith works patience. The trying of our faith works patience. And if we will let patience have its work, it will bring us to the place where we are complete in Christ and have need of nothing. That's what the scripture says. But remember, it starts with patience. The dictionary definition of patience is the bearing of provocation, annoyance, misfortune, or pain without, everybody say without, without complaint, without loss of temper or composure, without irritation. It also means the ability or willingness to suppress frustration or annoyance when confronted with delay. So typical reasons for us to be impatient. Typical reasons for us to, to lose composure or be frustrated. Number one, we're not getting our way. Number two, things aren't being done in the manner in which we would do it. You ever just get really upset with somebody because they're not doing it the way that you would do it, and the way that you would do it would be so much better than the way that they were doing it? Yeah. But the thing is, God didn't put you in charge of that. Right? So if God has not given you a realm of authority right there, your only recourse is prayer. I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. If you complain about a subject or a person more than you pray about that subject or person, you are in the wrong. And here's the third reason we usually get impatient. The changes that we want are taking too long. Symptoms that I'm being impatient, being critical. Now, I'm not talking about being detailed. 
You know, some people think that if anybody ever sees something wrong with you, oh, they're just criticizing me. They're just criticizing. No, I'm not talking about being a detailed person. I'm not talking about giving constructive criticism. I'm talking about being a complainer. Someone that rarely has a non-negative assessment of people or situations. Here's a second symptom that I'm being impatient. Moving before God says move. When we move before God says move, it shows that we cannot stay in step with the Holy Spirit because I'm too wrapped up in my emotions. When I've decided that this needs to happen. Now, a lot of times the Lord, will, he'll come and he'll lay something on your heart and he'll tell you now. And his plan may be that months, even years from now, that he's going to bring this to, to uh, fruition. And what do we get to do during that time? Be patient. Be patient. So the result of impatience is not getting the God result that we desire in a situation because we're too impatient to wait on God's timing. You need to understand that you may be the very one that the Lord wants to use to bring change. But because we don't pursue the discipline that it takes to walk in godly patience, we're ineffective. We become frustrated. And when we become frustrated, we blame it on other people. Or we blame it on the situation. Right? So I can tell by your quietness that I'm right. Everybody yells and hollers and says it's great when they're agreeing with what you're saying. Oh, yeah, because I'm living that part. So when everybody gets quiet, you're going like, hmm, I'm hitting the target. So in James chapter 5, there are four areas shown where we get the opportunity to be patient, to live in patience. And the first one is patience in attitude. Patience in attitude. James 5.8. So you also keep your hopes high and be patient. For the presence of the Lord is drawing closer. Other versions say, take courage. Strengthen your heart and be patient. For the presence of the Lord is drawing closer. So what, it, what is he really saying there? He's saying, keep your mind and your emotions in check. Impatience sounds a lot like this. He, she, they, it will never change. Or, why doesn't God just make this happen? See, this removes the responsibility from us to pray and patiently wait on the Lord. And it's ultimately saying that someone else or something or even God is the source of the problem. Bless you. But patience asks... Listen, patience asks. When you're in the middle of a situation and you're being tempted to be impatient, realize that there is always another side to this. Patience will ask, Lord, what can I learn from this situation? 
What inside of me needs to change to allow you to work in the way that you want to? Instead of trying to focus it on everybody else, look inward. My kids heard this all growing up. You cannot control people's actions, but you can control your reaction. Because not everybody is, is, is going to be walking where you're walking. Not everybody's going to be believing what you're believing. But you can control your reaction to people. We need to understand that unguarded emotions can be the difference between success and failure. There was an NFL quarterback uh, in the... The 1980s. His name was Joe Theismann. He was quarterback for the Washington Redskins. Joe Theismann led the the Redskins to back-to-back Super Bowls. The first one they won, the second one they lost. And if you ask Joe Theismann, he believes both years that they were the best team in the league. So what made the difference? He said attitude. He said the first year when they went in, he was the leader that the team needed him to be. He was working really hard to be a better passer. He was was encouraging his teammates to play harder and to be better. In fact, he said, I was just honored to be on the highest stage that my profession would allow. And they won the game. The second year, with basically the same team, They came in, but his attitude had changed. He was now a Super Bowl winning quarterback, and he was quite convinced everything revolved around him. He was no longer pushing everybody to get better. In fact, he said he spent the week leading up to the Super Bowl mostly griping and complaining, complaining about the weather. Complaining about the shoes he had to wear. Complaining uh, about the field. Complaining about when their practice times were. And they lost that game. But to this day, Joe Theismann wears two rings on his finger. Fingers. He wears a Super Bowl championship ring. And he, wins a, he wears a Super Bowl loser's ring. And when asked why he does that, he said to remind himself that the difference between winning and losing is attitude. Attitude. Second place that we get to show patience. Patience in speech. James 5.9 says, Since each of you are part of God's family, never complain or grumble about each other so that judgment will not come on you. For the true judge is near and very ready to appear. Don't grumble and complain about each other. Whatever you allow your mind and emotions to dwell on will eventually come out of your mouth. Whether negative or positive. Now we spent a lot of time talking about this last week. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time uh, uh, talking about uh, 
just the words of your mouth. This week, go back and listen to it. All of our lessons are, are on the website, nctyler.org. You can listen to any of them. But what I want you to see for the study that, that we're going on right now is that the words of our mouth show what's really going on inside of us. Proverbs 13.3 says, guard your words. In other words, slow down, be patient, and you will guard your life. Guard your words and you will guard your life. But if you don't control your tongue, the NIV says, he who speaks rashly, quickly, impatiently, it will ruin everything. Let me read that again. Guard your words and you'll guard your life. But if you don't control your tongue, it will ruin everything. Instead of complaining, we need to think differently. The Bible says, let the Lord change the way that you think or have your mind renewed. It also says, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, or admirable, think on these things. I know sometimes we get into some really, really ugly situations and it would be really, really easy to complain and find all the negative things that are just being thrown up against you. But the Bible tells us to find something true, to find something noble, find something right, something pure, something lovely, something admirable, and think on that. Now, the Bible doesn't say try to do these things. It says do it. And God wouldn't ask you to do something that was impossible. The fact is you can choose what you let your mind dwell on. Battle the thoughts that don't line up with Scripture by speaking out truth. This is the second time you've heard that this morning. Since Tracy's not even paying attention, I'm, I'm complimenting her. her <laughs> Battle... The negative things that start swirling around in your head with truth out of your mouth. Don't let your mouth ruin everything. Don't let your mouth ruin everything. And I have a little demonstration for you. This is your brain. This is your brain. There's, there's goo in your brain, obviously. This is your mouth. Guess what? Whatever's on the inside is going to come out, right? It's going to come out. So how it comes out, whether negative or positive, is really up to you. But it does come out, right? It may be minty fresh. Or it may be stinky and pooey. But it's going to come out, right? But here's the, here's the thing. Once it's out, it can't go back in. It just makes a mess trying to go back in. So once it's out, it's out, right? Once you've said it, it's out there. You ever hear people go, well, I didn't mean it that way. Well, it's the way it came out. It's what you said. It can't go back in. Anybody not brush your teeth this morning? 
There you go. It's all over the place. Proverbs 15.4 says, When you speak healing words, you you offer others fruit from the tree of life. But unhealthy negative words do nothing but crush their hopes. Now, I know we all feel justified at times saying certain things. We've been confronted and we respond. But do you remember Jesus? We're supposed to be like Jesus, right? I hope that's not a revelation to anybody in here, okay? Jesus, when he was standing before the Pharisees and before the council, it says that they continued to accuse him, yet he said nothing. He said nothing. So think before you speak. Be patient with your speech. Sometimes don't say the first thing that pops in your head. I've been guilty of that. Slow down and speak words of life. All right, our third place that we get to be patient is patient. With offense, James 5.16 says, Confess and acknowledge how you've offended one another and then pray for one another to be instantly healed. Now, I'm taking just a little bit of liberty with the Scripture. If if you read the verse before this, uh, James is really talking about physical healing. But I think we are well within the heart of Scripture By saying that if we confess that we've been guilty of impatience with our attitude and with our speech, that we can be healed. We can be healed emotionally. Sometimes we need to confess to those that we've spoken against. We don't like that part. Because if we really thought that we would have to go and tell the person that we've just been running off at the mouth what we've said, we probably wouldn't say half of what we say. Look, and I've been guilty, okay? I promise you, I have had bad attitudes. I have said things that should not have been said. And I've actually had to walk right into Pastor Sam and say, I said this. I'm sorry. And 40 lashes later, he forgave me. (laughs) By not confessing, by, by not putting it out there, we can cause the issue just to fester in our emotions. And eventually you'll explode. I'm an exploder. I'm sorry. If you don't explode, you're just going to walk away from the relationship. And we don't want to be that way, do we? There was a monk that that joined a monastery. And it was was a, a monastery where they took a strict vow of silence. In fact, you could only say two words every three years. Yeah, I know every woman in this place is going, I couldn't make it. I couldn't do it. Wouldn't happen. 
So he went into this monastery, and after the first three years, he got to say two words. So he went into uh, the brother superior's office, and he looked at him, and he said, bad bed. That's his two words for three years. So three years, three more years go by. And he goes back into the brother superior's office, and he looks at him, and he says, bad food. Three more years go by. I mean, we're going nine years now. He's got two words. He walks into Brother Superior's office, and he says, no TV. Three more years. He's been there 12 years now. And this time when he walks into the Brother Superior's office, he's in street clothes. He's got his robe and his sandals, and he just drops them on the brother's desk, and he looks at him, and he says, I quit. And the brother superior stood up and said, no wonder. You had not done anything but complain since you got here. (laughs) I know, that's a dad joke. (laughs) But don't get to the place where offense has turned to complaining, and you're compelled to quit. Confess it. At least to God. And there's times where God's going to say, well, you need to go talk to them because you need to get this rectified with them. And here's the other side of it. When someone comes to you and confesses that they have been offended by you. This is not the time to get angry. This is not the time to be defending yourself. See, just like I've been on on the other side, I've been on this side too. I know you're all thinking, who could ever be upset with you? I've actually been in the place where um, I thought I was helping people out. People that were serving in the church and they just seemed to be drowning. And you think that you're helping people out by giving them an out. It'll be okay. And they come back later and go, I'm so mad at you because you fired me. I didn't fire you. But in those moments, you can't be like, it's like, I am so sorry that I offended you. Because I don't want there to be a fence between me and another brother and sister. So that's not the time when somebody comes to you and they're confessing that they have, they've been upset with you. They've been offended by you. That's the time when you listen, and you be gracious, and then you go home and talk about them behind their back, right? So, it can be healing for you, and it can be healing for them, if you just let them do what they came to do. I know in the moment I say amen, there's going to be 20 people running up here to tell me how offended they've been with me, because now is the moment to get it out, right? Hey, I read this story about some, some missionaries that had, they had been missionaries to, to islands in the South Pacific. And they were telling about this ritual that uh, these certain natives had. That twice a year, everybody would kind of come to the village center and they would play music and they would dance. And then the, the culmination of the entire 
ritual was one by one, they would go out into the center and they would do what they called the murder song. They would, they would shout out the names of people that they wanted to see dead. And they were asking their gods to help them kill these people. Now, when these people, when, 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 these, when these, these native tribes started to be converted to Christianity, they didn't stop the ritual. But instead, when it came time for their murder song, instead of going out and shouting out the names of people that they hated, they would one by one go out to the, to the center and shout out sins they had committed. And shout out how much they hated the sin. And now they would call out to Jesus to help them destroy whatever it was inside of them that kept them from living free from sin. You see, confession is healing. And the boldness to confess it to others helps destroy it in your life. Now my fourth place. That we get to show patience. Fourth place. And we're going to wrap it up here real quick. Patience with wanderers. Patience with wanderers. James 5, 19 and 20. Finally, as members of God's beloved family, we must go after the one who wanders from the truth and bring him back. For the one who restores the sinning believer back to God from the error of his ways gives back to his soul life from death and covers over countless sins by their demonstration of love. We have to patiently pursue people. There should never be a time in the life of a true Christian believer Or there's not somebody that we're pursuing. Because all of us know somebody that is hurt, that is broken, that is without a relationship with Jesus. And when it it says we must patiently pursue them, why? Because they're probably not going to listen to you the first time. It takes relationship. It takes time. And it takes the heart willing to pursue. Back in the year of 2003, I had gone through something very, very hurtful in ministry. And at this time, my family and I had, had, had really been out of church for about five years. But there came this time that um, we decided to visit a church, and it just happened to be New Covenant Church. So we visited the church and got to talk to Pastor Sam just a little bit. But what happened after we visited the church is what made all the difference in the world. 
He pursued me. He, he didn't come and, and find me go, well, I hadn't seen you in church in a few weeks. He just, how you doing? He would show up at my office. He'd call and take me to lunch. He pursued me. When I really wasn't in the mood to be pursued, I was broken, beat up, bleeding. I was not a happy person nor a nice person. Yet he pursued me. Thank you, Pastor Sam. And the thing is, I thought I was special. I thought he was just pursuing me because I'm so awesome. And then I realized he pursues everybody. Why? It would be easy to say it's because he's a true pastor, but the truth is it's because he's a true Christian. We're supposed to be pursuing. We're supposed to be going after people. So what do I want you to know? Patience benefits you and it benefits others. It rewards you with life, answered prayer, and God's presence. We must show patience with our attitude and with our words. And be willing to confess where we haven't been patient. So what do I want you to do this morning? I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to show you any areas in your life where you've been impatient. Where your attitude and words have caused offense. Then ask Him to forgive you. And ask Him to change your thinking so you can patiently serve Him. Will you stand with me? Let's do that right now. Let's just take a quick moment. Just look inside. It's so easy to look at others. It's so easy to see where other people have missed it. And we're professionals at that. We're professionals at picking out everybody else's problems. But you got to get honest to look at yourself. Holy Spirit, we just ask you this morning, speak to our hearts. Show us, Lord, where we've been impatient, where we've gotten ahead of you. Lord, remind us of times where we've not been patient with our attitude. We've not been patient with our words. Lord, show us where we've offended people. And Lord, give us the boldness to deal with it. Give us the boldness to be the people of God that you created us to be. To not walk around controlled by our emotions, but allow our emotions to be controlled by the Spirit of God so we can truly be who you've called us to be.